God, I thank you so much for these young people here. Thank you that you have handpicked this group of students to be here this week. You have a purpose and you have a plan and you have something that you are going to do in each and every single one of them. Life is like a journey, but the reality is it has to start with us getting in the car. And you're here. You're here at Defined 2016. And I hope you guys are ready to get in the car because the truth is this. God has an amazing journey for each and every one of you. Worship was great because just the environment and the vibe around me. In worship, I feel like I can be myself. Kids my age, either going through the stuff I did or going through the stuff right now. Jesus, he is the one, he is the only. If you believe that, would you make some noise for Jesus? It's all about you, Jesus. You're the one that I live for. It's all about you, Jesus. My life for your name. It's all about you, Jesus. You're the one that I live for. You're the one that I live for. Camp has been a really big experience for me because when I came here I wasn't really prepared for what I was going to go into. I experienced Jesus way more than I ever planned to and I guess I got closer to him in a way that I never imagined I could. Right now at this camp, God is going to take you, he wants to take you like this block of wood and start to transform your life. You got to make our life really is the best hands we give to Jesus Christ because after all, he's the master carpenter, right? It's all about you, Jesus. You're the one that I live for. It's all about you, Jesus. My life for your name. It's all about you, Jesus. You're the one that I live for. You're the one that I live for. Imagine if you did that with Jesus. Imagine that if you start off right now and you just continue to go, continue to go, continue to go. You continue to follow Jesus, you never stop following him, you're going to end up looking like him. He is the rock of all salvation. We got to pursue Jesus relentlessly. When God starts to take shape into your life, it's all for purpose. But the reality is we got to be able to say, Lord, I want you to transform my life.
be conformed to the ways of this world, but be transformed, right? So in other words, ah, I don't want to be conformed. I want to be transformed. Amen. on Wednesday night when I ended I had this piece of wood right it was rough still had bark on it and then last night I showed you that same type of wood but it started to get transformed see we don't want to just be changed we want to be transformed by the Holy Spirit so that we can do exactly what the Lord wants to do in and through us at the end of it that piece of wood that block of wood can be made into something great Um, one thing that I'm going to take away from camp is that I shouldn't be afraid to believe in Jesus because there's nothing wrong with it. Like before, I used to be like, oh yeah, I believe in God. But like now I'm really going to try to be like, yeah, I'm going to follow him and I'm not going to be the same person as I was before. If you want to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, if you want that empowerment for your life, to go out and be who God created you to be. To no longer be conformed to the ways of the world. All you have to do is ask. I would say that coming to camp is a great experience because, I don't know, it just changes who you are inside, I think. It transforms you. Yes. <laughs> Wow, we get to be a part of that. I tell, I tell you what is the joy about that is that we, we are a church that believes in the next generation so much that I'm a part of that fruit. Um, I, yeah, yeah, my age is way beyond that. But what I'm saying is when I came to this church, I was 19 years old and people loved me into the kingdom of God. And because of that, God continues to raise up people to know him as Lord and Savior. I'm so proud of uh, Bunny Correa, um, of course, Pastor Ben uh, being there. Uh, some of our staff went. I think some of our young adults went and uh, some of our junior hires. 
And so we just want to say thank you to you, the congregation, for believing in our youth, believing in our young adults, and believing in who God is calling us to be as a church. Because as the future continues on, our children must come to know Jesus as Lord and Savior as we know the world that we live in today. Imagine the world they're going to grow up in in the next 20 years or so. And so thank you for being a church who loves people into the kingdom. Can you just give yourselves a hand and thank God that he saved us? I was, I was thinking, I never had that when I was in junior high. I was running from the police in junior high. So thanks be to God that we have things like this. So thank you for serving. In fact, when they were talking about what they were afraid of and, and not, uh, not being the same anymore, that they used to be afraid of uh, people knowing that they know God, but now they're going to be different because they're transformed. I thought, we all have fears. We're all afraid of something. In fact, the Bible says, fear not or do not be afraid Probably more times, that phrase, more times than any other phrase in the Bible. It just shows us that God is a God of courage. That he wants, to, he wants us to be, as Joshua said in the Bible, strong and courageous. And the reason why we can be strong and courageous is because God is that kind of God. He's not a God who hides. He's not a God who is afraid. He is a conquering God. That's why when Jesus came on this earth, they thought he was going to be a conquering king for this earth, but he said, no, no, my kingdom is not of this world. I am, I am not of this world. I have a different kingdom. And it's the kingdom of God. And I think for all of us, we have that hope that we can be more than conquerors because Jesus is more than a conqueror. He conquered death. He overcame sin and death. He died for our sins. Therefore, because we believe in him, we no longer need to fear what we normally would fear otherwise. I think we all have some kind of fear. Now, we have normal fears like uh, some of you are afraid of lizards. Yeah, see, right now you're like, oh, I can't stand lizards. Like when there's a lizard in the house, you, you're paralyzed. You, and you find that person in the house that is the lizard killer. And when you hear, you're like, you got to go kill it. You better go get it out of this house. Or, 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 or some of you, maybe you're not afraid of lizards, but you're afraid of cockroaches. Yeah, see, and if you're afraid of cockroaches, we live in Hawaii. They live here. This is where they dwell. Some of you are afraid of centipedes. Yeah, those guys are, I, I just think that those things are demonic. Just the way they look, they're like, all oh, the tangly legs, and it's just, I don't, I don't like them at all. I used to play with them when I was little, but for some reason as I grew up, I don't like them anymore. I don't know what happened. Maybe I became smart or wise. Don't play at centipedes. Some of you don't like spiders. My mom didn't like spiders, and we used to get her scared all the time. We would just, you know her brush? We would just take out some hair, roll it up in a ball, pull one hair out, and then when she's like in front of the mirror putting on makeup, we'd go behind her and put the spider, and she would just scream. And then she would, you know, lecture us on, that's why I have high blood pressure. Look at all the pills that I'm taking. And, and you know, at that time, we didn't, we didn't understand that she could literally get a heart attack. So we had to kind of slow down on that kind of thing. So some of you hate spiders. Uh, some of you don't like heights. Like if you climb high places, you're like, whoa, 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 whoa. I got to get to my hotel room. Hang on. I got to. <laughs> you just don't like heights. Or if there's an elevator that's glass and it's the outside, you just can't take it. Or some of you are claustrophobic. You don't like tight spaces. 
You don't like small spaces. So maybe when you're little growing up and you played hide and go seek, you hid in the open field. <laughs> you're the first to get caught because you didn't want to hide anywhere. Some of you are afraid of the water. Some of you are afraid of sharks. Uh, I, in fact, when I first moved here to the Big Island, I didn't, I didn't know anything about the beaches. And in fact, when I, when I came here, I thought, where's the white sand? Because I grew up on Oahu. And I came here and I said, how come everything's dirty? Like the sand is black. Do they clean their sand? I didn't understand it, okay? I didn't, I didn't know it was, you know, lava and it's black sand. That's how it is. And, and then everything was reef. So to go surfing, I didn't, I didn't know the breaks and all of that. And so when we would go to Honolulu, I didn't know that underneath was just boulders. And so when you get pounded, you just get cracked on the rocks. Or if you go at the mill and you have all these different bowls coming up, you, 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 get, you become afraid because you don't know what's going to happen. You're unfamiliar with the territory. When you are fearful of something, it's normally because you don't know what's going to happen. Fear can also be a result of something that happened long ago. Maybe for some of you, the reason why you're afraid of lizards is because maybe one attacked you when you are small or someone threw it on you or you're afraid of, of uh, the dark because someone closed the lights on you and they said, Allah, you know, something like that and now you, you became afraid. In fact, growing up, now I'm, I'm, I have Filipino, so growing up, there was a lot of Filipino superstition. And so my mom, like I'll be whistling... In, at night, and my mom would freak out. She'd say, what are you doing? You cannot whistle at night. I said, what do you mean I can't whistle at night? She goes, yeah. And she gave me this whole story about things, bad things are going to happen, so I was afraid. I would never whistle at night. And then I would sweep at night. Whoa, man. See, some of you are still there. You're still kind of struggling with that. I would sweep at night, and my mom would freak out. And this is New Year's Eve. When else are you going to clean up? I ain't cleaning up the next day, so I'm sweeping and she said, you cannot sweep at night. And she would give me all these weird stories about, you know, different ghosts going to come your way and this other lady going to come with a hook and pull your tongue out in the middle of the night. I'm like, what? <laughs> so I don't know if that was just, you know, parents just trying to freak out their children so they listen and obey. I don't know. So I had all these superstitions. And so by the time I came to know Jesus, it's like, wait a minute. That love that I have from him cast out all that fear. So now I sweep at night while I'm whistling and cutting my nails. <laughs> I have no, there's no superstition. I, I don't, it doesn't bother me. There's no fear. And the Bible tells us that there are fears that we deal with. Maybe there are deeper feel, fears, not just the, you know, the surface ones, but really the deep-rooted ones, like fear of failure, fear of not being a good father, fear of not being a good mother. Maybe the fear of financial breakdown or, or, or the finances are not going to come out well. Maybe it's the fear of what is going to happen with our relationship. Maybe the fear of getting married or the fear of having children or, or the fear of the next job. Or maybe some life-changing event took place and now you're fearful. Maybe health, you're fearful. Maybe you have to go to surgery or a checkup and you're fearful. And those are real fears. And it paralyzes us. But God says there is a way for us to go from fear to fullness. 
Now, what does that mean? Well, you can take out your bulletin, and in there are some notes that will help you to follow along some scripture. We're going to get into God's word to help us to understand how we can go from fear to fullness. And the amazing thing about going from fear to fullness is it's not just a mindset. And yes, we're transformed by the renewing of our mind, but for some reason, as that transformation takes place, we still have emotion, and that fear is still deep on the inside. And we fear. We've got to remember this, that our, our, our Heavenly Father is perfect. And because He's perfect and we are imperfect, we're going to struggle with fear. He's perfect, we're not. Maybe as a, a parent, that's one of your fears, that maybe your children will go astray and they're not going to become the person you would hope them to be. Or maybe they've, they've strayed far from God. And even though God is a perfect father, we may think that we as parents are never going to make mistakes. We will make mistakes because we're not perfect. You know, as our kids grow up and they become young adults, I'm sure there are regrets that you and I may have, some well thought through, I, I could have done this better. I, I, I should have done this. And maybe so. But we also got to remember that no matter how perfect of a parent we are or we try to be, our children will still make their choices because even the perfect father in heaven has rebellious children. Look at the person next to you. Yeah. We all stray from God from time to time. We're all his children. And as perfect as God is, we still stray from him. And that's probably one of the biggest fears that we have. It's what's going to happen to us at the end of this life. We all have fears that we struggle with. You may have a fear of being alone, a fear of what's going to happen when the children move out, the fear of what's going to happen in the next five years with my health. We all have those fears. But God says, you know what, I'm... If you make yourself available to me, I will fill you with my love. And because of my love, there's going to be a power that comes over you that the fear that you have will no longer be there. Because the Bible tells, tells us this in 1 John 4, 17 and 18. It says, and as we live in God, our love grows more perfect. So we will not be afraid on the day of judgment. But we can face him with confidence because we live like Jesus here in this world. Such love has no fear because perfect love expels all fear. If we are afraid, it is for fear of punishment. And this shows that we have not fully experienced his perfect love. See, that word perfect means brought to its end, finished, wanting nothing necessary to completeness. In other words, it's not finished yet but it's being finished it's coming to that end to cast means to throw or let go of a thing without caring where it falls or to give over to one's care uncertain about the result so when perfect love expels all fear means to cast out all fear it means when that when that fear is cast out we no longer worry about it because we don't care where it goes that we release it, we let it go. We're afraid because the fear of punishment. 
And this shows that we have not fully experienced His perfect love. That punishment, correction, penalty. We fear because it involves punishment. We fear because we don't know the, the unknown and we think that there's gonna, something bad is going to happen. There's going to be a penalty or punishment, correction. See, fear involves penalty of sin, but love involves payment of sin. That's the perfect love that God has for us. And when you let the love of God finish you, complete you, to a point where He is your enough, that love that we have from Him will expel all fear. It'll cast out all fear. You can make as many decisions as you want to not fear, but it'll be God's love that will cast out all of that fear. Because when He is not enough, then fear, dread, terror will find its way into our lives. Because there's still a little bit of us there. There's still a little bit room, little, uh, little room there. If, if God's love is not in, involved in our whole entire life and there's still some of us there, then fear will creep in even in that 1% that we have not given over to God. Fear will find its way. But whatever you fear, God can fulfill. If you fear your marriage falling apart, God can fulfill your marriage becoming strong. Whatever you fear, God can fulfill. And that's where we all want to be. Matthew 16, verse 24, Jesus tells his disciples, If anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. We've got to deny ourselves. You know what that means? It means we can have no longer any of us we got to relinquish. We have to die to ourselves. We have to get rid of self so that we can follow the Lord. So I thought, well, let's be a people who, who goes from fear to fullness. Let's just, let's just make that decision today. Whatever fear we may have, you just think of one. What fear you may have right now in this season of your life, whatever it would be. And then you say, Lord, I, I want to do what the Bible promises. I want to go from fear to to fullness. And that's what we want to look at today. Here's the first thing that we can learn from the Bible. This is what the Bible promises. When I'm empty of me, I can be filled with him. It's very simple. When we're empty of us, now we can be filled with him. I'll, I'll illustrate it this way. I have these two cups and I'll just pour water in it. And let's just say this is our life. And so as we grow up, we we do things that are, may not be the, the best things in life. Maybe we've done things that are wrong. And so we have this guilty conscience. Or maybe, maybe we've done some things that aren't pleasing to God. And so now we're what we call dirty. In fact, we're born this way. We're born sinful people. So we, we can either say, Lord, uh, cleanse me. And then he'll say, okay, you just let me pour into your life. And he'll pour, and he'll pour, and he'll pour. And he'll continue to pour. Year after year after year. Now, it's as much as God pours, we can still be dirty. Even as a Christian, we still feel like this. Because here's what happens we have not emptied ourselves. We kind of came to God and we say it, come just as you are. And we, we can. 
We come just as we are. But God says, now you got to empty yourself. You empty yourself. Empty yourself of all of that junk. You leave it at my feet. Then you let me pour into your life brand new. And when he pours, you save years of trying to get rid of all that junk by getting rid of us. As the Bible tells us, all those who are, who are in Christ are a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things are new. You're a new person now. You're no longer the old self. You don't have old tendencies anymore. Oh, they still, you may have reminders, but you no longer are susceptible to the old ways as much as you would as when you empty yourself. That when we come to God, we say, none of me, all of you. The Bible puts it this way in the book of John, chapter, thir- chapter 3, verse 30. That he must, what? Increase. But I must decrease. Listen very carefully. He doesn't increase unless we decrease. It's, it'll be a fighting battle. It'll, it'll be this. And although God will still pour out his love, I'd rather save years by just saying, Lord, I want to empty myself. I want to empty myself of, of myself. And the quicker we empty ourselves of us, the quicker we fill ourselves with him. That's why we can go to church for 30 years and still remain the same. Because we've never emptied ourselves. We go back to our old ways. Why? Because we still have them. It's still there. So it's easier for us to just go back to our old ways. It's easy for us to justify. It's easy for us to just say, oh, it's because of him, because of her. Why? Because we still have blame in us. We still have us, in us. But the Lord says, no, you, you, in order for me to increase in your life, you must decrease. It's not a negotiation. It's you must so I can. Otherwise, we stay there. We'll just fight the battle if not. And it'll take years for us to become what would have taken us maybe even months. For some of us, we, we gave our hearts to the Lord and just like that, overnight, we made that drastic change. Oh, we still had some, some flaws in us, but, but we got rid of us. And the more we get rid of us, the more God can increase in our lives. Here's the second thing that'll help us. And here's the promise. To fill my life with purpose. Because when you fill our lives with purpose, then his promises are readily available. We've got to fill our life with purpose. Sometimes we empty ourselves of us, but then we fill it with other things rather than God himself. We empty ourselves of us, and then we say, well, since I have more time, I can do this. We empty ourselves of us, but then we look for a different angle to get as close as possible to the edge of sin and then say, well, I gave this up, so I, but I can still do this. This is not as bad as that. God says, well, you're going to get rid of all of you or just a little bit of you? You want all of me or just a little bit of me? What do you want? And the moment we get rid of us, he fills our life with purpose. I'll give you an example. Uh, years ago, uh, I think I was serving in the youth ministry. And it was at that time that I thought, well, I, I want to be in it for the long haul. 
I don't want to just serve in ministry and then that's it. I, I want to continue to serve the Lord all of my life. It's a commitment. It's, it's, a, it's a lifelong journey for me. It's not a, a, a five-month commitment. It's not a year commitment. It's, Lord, my whole life is given to you. Now, even at that time, there was a lot of me in it. And I'm just sharing this with you because you are my ohana. You are my family. So back then, it was all about the hair. This is in my early 20s. All about the hair. Gel. It had to be gelled. I played basketball with gelled hair. And my friends knew when they fouled me because they would have gel all on their arms, all over. They're like, sticky your head. Now, this is now recently, maybe a couple years ago, that I really felt the Lord saying, you got to get rid of narcissism. You think of yourself too much. And I thought, well, what, what can I do then, Lord? Why, why do I always think of myself why am, I, why am I so selfish? He says, because that's still in you. You got to get rid of that. So he, he said, do something tangible so that you're reminded of not thinking of yourself more highly than you ought to, but think of others more important than yourself. It's a scripture that he gave to me. So that's why I no longer gel my hair. Some of you are thinking, oh, ugly your head now. How come you don't gel your That's the reason. It's a reminder for me to think of other people. You don't think I want to gel my hair? <laughs> ah, but it's a reminder. It's just a simple reminder. But I think all of us, we, we have a tendency to have self in us. It's just a part of our sin nature, but... But maybe something, maybe God wants to do something better in us. But now we, we have to do something that lessens us. Exercise was another thing. I used to exercise so much that I, I didn't even pay attention to God. Because I remember reading the scripture, my body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. I said, oh, I got I to gotta keep my temple in shape then. I got to keep my temple in shape. So everything was about exercise, 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 eating good, eating good, exercise, eating good, exercise, eating good. But it was hard because I had little children in my house. And when they didn't finish their food, I had to finish their food. And so I gained a lot of weight. After a while, I thought, wait a minute. Second Timothy, or I think it's First Timothy, it says, it says, physical exercise has some value. But spiritual exercise is far more important, for it promises a reward in both this life and the next. And I had to get rid of me. Now, exercise is important. But we can go so on the extreme that we forget about God. We pay more attention to the way we look rather than the way we are spiritually. Yeah, physical exercise has some value, but spiritual exercise is far more important. You know what the Bible is saying? We need both. But don't, don't overpower one. on the physical side when we so desperately need help on the spiritual side. And so I had to really think things through and say, Lord, how, how do I do this? I want to fill my life with purpose. Oh, he said, well, when you empty yourself, then you can fill yourself up 
with me more. I remember a season where I said, okay, Lord, i got to empty myself from sarcasm. I was quick. I mean, someone said something, I can come back, and it's just sarcasm was in my blood, cynicism. So I had to switch that around and say, Lord, how, how, do, I, how do I change that? He says, well, you be a person who encourages. Be a person who trusts in me. Then he brought me to this scripture in the book of Matthew, chapter 12, verse 43 and 45. 43 through 45. It says, when an evil spirit leaves a person, it goes into the desert seeking rest but finds none. Then it says, I will return to the person I came from. So it returns and finds its former home empty, swept, and in order. Then the spirit finds seven other spirits more evil than itself, and they all enter the person and live there. And so that person is worse off than before. That will be the experience of this evil generation. You know what the Bible is saying? When you get rid of something that is evil, you replace it with that which is good. Then I can get rid of sarcasm, but I better refill it with encouragement. I can get rid of the spirit of narcissism, but I better fill it up with a spirit of servanthood. I can get rid of the spirit of doubt, but I better fill it up with a spirit of faith. Otherwise, that spirit will leave, come back, see the heart the house swept clean and say, wait a minute, there's nothing in there. Why don't I go get some buddies and come back? So the Bible says, no, when you, when you open your heart to him, you now guard your heart because out of it flow the issues of life. Proverbs 4.23. Guard your heart. Why? Because that's where everything is going to come out of. And so when he fills our life with purpose, and we've got rid of all of us, all, the, all of that junk. We decrease so he, he can increase. We now guard our hearts. And we let him fill us afresh. And let, let him empty us. I, I wanted to uh, kind of bring some, just some, some examples on, on what I needed to do that have, or some things that have helped me in filling my life when I emptied it with evil things. So I, I talked a little bit about selfishness. So to get rid of selfishness, when I say, Lord, I don't want any of self in me, then I needed to do things for others, which was serving, that I want to serve other people, Lord. Pride. Lord, I want to get rid of pride. I need to admit my faults and apologize often. I, and I do. I apologize often. If I know I've done something, I've got to apologize. Like I can't sleep. I've I got to apologize. I have to make it right. Uh, sometimes I'm stubborn and I'll go for some days and I'm contemplating in my head, thinking, Lord, talk to them, tell them, tell me sorry. But it still doesn't work because I got, I got to get rid of my pride. Uh, I talked about narcissism. So I, I switched that and I said, I want to get rid of that. So now I need to put some boundaries in my life. And so I put some boundaries in my life. I, I talked about that some time ago. And, and some of the boundaries that I have is simple. I will not ride with another woman in the car other than Heidi. I will not be in an elevator if there's another woman in there. Uh, I'm not going to eat lunch with another woman, even if it's for like a meeting kind of thing. Uh, just, just simple things like that because that's my boundary. I had to replace it with something else. Narcissism had to, replace with, had to be replaced with boundaries. Paranoia. I mean, sometimes I, I, would, I would be afraid and, and become paranoid because I'm thinking, oh, what if this happens? Oh, what if that happens? What if I make this decision and then that decision leads to this decision and then that happens? What if that happens? Then I'm going to have to make this decision based on that. And then if I do that, oh, 10 years from now, I'm going to have to do this. And I'm like, wait, what? A, just eat lunch. 
Why are you so paranoid? Why? I, like I put together scenarios and I think, okay, worst case scenario. Worst, we, we say, we use that phrase. Okay, worst come to worst. Worst come to worst. If I catch this wave, I just bail. Worst come to worst. If I lose my board, I bow not on. Worst come to worst, if I crash my car, I can collect insurance. Worst come to worst, if we, if we, we just use that phrase as a way for us to say, how do I deal with this paranoid type of thinking? So to get rid of that, to empty myself of being paranoid, I had to start memorizing scripture. I had to, I had to get rid of being paranoid and then bring in the encouragement of God. Another one was divorce. Before Heidi and I got married, I grew up in a home and, a, and in a culture that divorce was an option. Separation was an option. It was the road to divorce. And so that was on my mind before we got married. And so in order for me to replace that fear with something else, I had to think about the decision that I would make before I got married. Before Heidi and I got married, we sat down and we said these words to each other. Divorce is not an option. We will fight for our marriage. Now, I'm sure some of you are here and you've already gone through that and it was a painful situation. Maybe you're in it right now and, and you can't turn back because it became an option. But you can start from this day forward to start to replace whatever fear you may have with something of the Lord. And he'll replenish, he'll restore, and he will build you to the person he sees you to be. Divorce is never the end. Because God is always the beginning. Just always go back to God. Come back to Jesus. The other one was finances. So finances was a, a struggle for us. And it was a, I had to get, get myself empty of that because I, I feared not being able to take care of my family. And so Heidi and I, we replaced it. The fear of finances uh, not being good, we replaced it with putting together a financial plan. And the first thing we thought of was, what does the Bible say? And the Bible says to tithe. So that's what we did. And it seemed counterintuitive to what we were going through because we were dealing with finances, uh, uh, bad, uh, not being able to pay the rent and, and not being able to get what we needed. And so we said, Lord, we're going to trust in your word. And so we started tithing. And I can't tell you the, the stories of how God came through. Even still, till this day, he still comes through. And we always say this, you can never outgive God. You can never outgive God. And so we started to do that. We also saved money, went on a budget, and we sacrificed. We just sacrificed. No longer going to the movies, uh, no longer buying things. We went to the library to rent VCR tapes. They were like, uh, I think they were a dollar. And so we'd never go to the movies. We'd just do that. We would play games at home. We'd do fun things with the children. We just sacrificed. We didn't buy clothes for like seven years. We just wore the, the clothes that we had. People gave us clothes. I had shoes that I would duct tape because the thing was falling apart. Staplers, rubber bands. We were creative. Whatever we needed to do, we made it work. God always provided. But the biggest help, the biggest help was doing my devotions. Reading the Word of God. And coming to church. Those were the two major things that helped Heidi and I going from fear to fullness. It was being in the Word of God and coming to church every week, Sundays and Wednesdays. 
Now, you might be thinking, Sundays and Wednesdays, I get a hard time coming on Sundays. Now, I'm saying this with the best heart that I can. For Heidi and I, we had to sacrifice because we saw our lives in the future where it was heading, and we needed to make that sacrifice here rather than our family and marriage there. This sacrifice was less painful than the one that would have taken place years from then. We just made that sacrifice. As well as who God was making us to be, we had to make that sacrifice. And when we filled our lives with the purposes of God, we now could live life on purpose with God. So let him fill your life with that purpose. And then the last thing, recalibrate back to Jesus often. Often. That's why we say we got to come to church weekly. Why do we have to come to church weekly? Well, actually, we don't have to. We get to come to church weekly. We live in a, a country that allows us to do this. It's our freedom. And we should never take that for granted. And the reason why we gather together is because this is how God created the body of Christ to function. It was in gatherings like this for us to find strength together, to get into the Word of God, to build each other up. We worship together. We get into the Word together. We pray together. Those are essential. Those things are essential to recalibrating our hearts back to Jesus. And here's why it's important to recalibrate back to Jesus. Here it is. Because you and I have bad behavioral problems. <laughs> we all have them. That's why we got to come back to Jesus. But we don't want behavioral modification. We want life transformation. We've grown up in a society that says behave. Behave. Hey, a pastor coming over. Behave. Hey, auntie coming over. Behave. And so we get used to behaving in front of rather than a transformed life behind the scenes. God says, I can transform your life. We were at the swap meet on Oahu, and there's this cute little shirt, like just a small little shirt like for a, a two-year-old. And it, it had the word, whatever, whatever, with the quotation marks, like the kid is saying that. Heidi said, this is so cute. Let's get this for our two-year-old grandson. I said, no, let's, we're going to get, we're going to, we're just going to reinforce his bad behavior. She goes, oh, we're, there went the fun. And, yeah, joy killer. And although, yeah, fun thing, and, and yeah, you can get those t-shirts, it's cute and all, but sometimes we, we just behave on the outside, but we never change the inside. God is saying, no, I want to transform you from the inside. I don't want behavioral modification. I want life transformation. We all have behavioral patterns. We all have a pattern. We know when, we, when each other is going to blow up. I mean, we scramble when the house is messy and mom pulls up in the driveway. We scramble. We scramble when the dishes are piled up and we were supposed to do the dishes growing up and mom or dad comes home or the dogs weren't fed. We didn't do our chores. We didn't make our bed. Whatever it was, we, we scramble because we perform. We've, we've learned to perform and and. And learning to do life responsibilities are a good thing because the hope is that we would become responsible people. But we may change our behaviors on the outside. doesn't mean we're going to change our behaviors on the inside. And that's why God says, you've got to let me transform you. 
from the inside out. See, fear is a real emotion. It's not something that is superficious or, or, or something that is superficial or, or something that is mystical. It's a real life emotion. And when we have these fears, it paralyzes us in many areas of life. But here's the good news. Because Jesus conquered the grave, and because God so loved the world, this love that he gives us, because it's perfect and it casts out all fears, we're able to now conquer whatever death comes our way. Relational, financial, maybe even dreams, and there's a death. Jesus says, I can overcome that because I overcame the grave which is probably one of the biggest fears of all. It's the grave. Jesus is the only one who overcame the grave. He also overcame being attacked by the enemy. If you read the book of Matthew, chapter 4, he was tempted by the devil, but he, he won that battle. Jesus also lost a loved one. And he knows that emotion of losing a loved one. Jesus had it all, and then he came down to this earth and had nothing. Some of us have that fear of, what if I have nothing? See, when we, when we say to the Lord, I, I want to recalibrate back to you, and we worship together, there's strength in that, because God is saying, I, I'm, I'm now doing something in your heart. And when we worship together, when we do this together, this is worshiping God together, we open the word together and pray together, it brings us back to the reality that Jesus can take us from fear to fullness in him. Because that's where it's going to be. It's not going to be in us, it's going to be in him. Ephesians chapter 3 verse 19 tells us, may you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully, then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Colossians 2.9 tells us, for in Christ lives all the fullness of God in a human body. It's the fullness of Christ. It's him. It's going to be him. That's the only way fear is cast out. His perfect love expels all fear. We've got to empty ourselves of us so that he can increase in our lives. See, when you, when you have no Jesus, we've seen this before, maybe on a bumper sticker or a t-shirt, when you have no Jesus, you know fear. But when you know Jesus... You have no fear. May we be people who recalibrates our heart back to him so that he can fill our lives with a purpose so that we can say less of us, more of you. And when we become that, we're now in the place of going from fear to the fullness of God. Amen. You can put away your notes, close your Bibles if you need to. I want to pray with all of us. You know, this simple illustration of, of being dirty and clean, uh, Jesus said it often. He said, you're now made clean because of my word. You're, you're already clean. But for some reason, as we walk in this world, we, 
we've become dirty again. I just want to encourage all of us, let's, let's as quick as possible recalibrate our hearts back to Jesus and say, I, I want to get rid of me, less of me, more of you. I want to warn you, though, you're going to hear some voices. You're going to feel some stubbornness. Just letting you know what I deal with, too. And you're going to feel the sense of, but what about them? Or you're going to feel like it's unfair. Why do I have to make all the sacrifices? Why don't, why don't they make the sacrifices? Listen, you're going to deal with your fear more than anyone else. No one's going to carry your fear. No one's going to feel your fear. As much as you explain it, they're not going to feel it. So instead of us saying, what about them? Come back to ourselves in the sense of, Lord, I'm living with this fear. So I'm not going to think of anyone else that they have to do this, they have to do that, they have to apologize, they have to change. No, Lord, you do something in me because it's your love in me that's going to cast out all this fear. No one else is going to experience this but me. And I want to experience all of you and none of me. You pray with me. You bow your heads for a moment. All of us have a fear. Fear of the unknown. Fear of where our health is going to be. Fear of our finances. Fear of our family, our children. What's going to happen when the children grow up and we're empty nesters? Are we going to like each other? Are we going to still love each other? Is our marriage going to continue? We have a fear of where our world is heading, our, our government, our, our country. We have fears of our job. It's no longer secure. So it almost sounds like an oxymoron now, job security. But there is life security in Jesus. There is hope security in Jesus. And there is fullness security in Jesus. You may be here today and you're saying, I've, I've never... I've never thought of having less of me so I could have more of him. Maybe you've been dealing with that. You've been dealing with too much of you. And Jesus is here today to say, I have a better you than what you think your life is or what it could be. And I want to help you to go from fear to fullness. And if you're here this morning and you're saying, you know what, I, I want that. Even as a believer, we're going to struggle with that. Maybe even as a, as a believer, you're saying, Lord, I, I, want to, I want to come to a place where, where I'm no longer fearful about this one thing that I'm bothered with. Maybe today, you're simply saying, Lord, I want to recalibrate my heart back to you. We're going to pray a prayer. We can all pray this prayer. But maybe for some of you, this is going to be the first time that you're praying this prayer. And because you're praying this prayer, you're saying to Jesus, I want to give you my heart. None of me, all of you. You can repeat after me as I say this prayer. Just you add the heart in it. Let's say this prayer together. Heavenly Father, forgive me of my sins. Wash me clean. Renew me. Make me into the person you created me to be. I believe you died on the cross and you rose from the grave to give me eternal life. 
And I thank you for filling me with all of you. I die to myself so that I can live in you. In Jesus' name I pray.